47 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAg.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I explore dark, moody, monochromatic, artistic, pixelated, and 3D worlds as we embark on numerous premium iOS adventures. How are you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. This is one of the best game release weeks of the year, and just from that intro, it sounds like some fun adventures to go on. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is hands down probably, if not the best, the second best for sure uh, week on the App Store. It is an incredible week for games. And the reason that is leads us to our first Apple news topic, and that is Apple shuts down iTunes developer portal so developers can't submit new apps or updates from the 23rd to the 27th of December. And so that means developers want to get their apps out before that freeze. And also when that freeze happens, there's no new featured app. So if you get featured during that time where Christmas morning a bunch of people get new iOS devices and your app is plastered on that front page, that's a really good thing. So all these developers are releasing really good stuff, and that's to our benefit. Right, yeah. You'll often see like really great games released right at the end of the year during this this time frame and then you also have all kinds of sales because they'll set up the sales to go on ahead of time before this lockdown happens and then you have those sale prices locked in so when people get those new devices not only do they see the new apps but they see all kinds of great sales going on and they want to just fill up their new devices with all kinds of great games yep and so keep that in mind this week and next week are going to have some great games but before we get to there or to that point, there's an actual new Apple release and that big iMac Pro that Apple announced back at WWDC is now available. It starts at $4,999 and the configuration options lead up to $13,199. So it's a $5,000 to $13, $13,000 range of configuration options. But just to get in the door, it's 5000 bucks as it's a device that doesn't replace the Mac Pro, but it kind of sits as a stopgap because they're, Apple's working on a new Mac Pro, but before we get to it, before they actually develop it, they have this iMac Pro in the interim. Right, so if you're looking for like a little stocking stuffer, uh, this is perfect. This will <laughs> yep. fit right in. <laughs> I couldn't even say it with a straight face. I, this is insane. Like, this is so insanely overpriced. Like, who is buying this? I don't I don't understand. Like, I am not dropping five grand on a computer. Right, so it has to be where it's either on your company's expense report or companies are buying it for their employees, whether it's like you're a deluxe 3D animator or some 3d architecture all kinds of advanced i mean i can't imagine there's much that you can't do on the current top of the line macbook pro but if that's your job then i guess you got to bump up to five grand for this eight core 10 core model right it's going to be a very specific set of customers that are going to be buying these it's not going to be everyday person just on the street hey i'm going to buy a new imac pro because i got five grand burning a hole in my pocket and i need spending it on something uh, i don't know it, i don't foresee this i mean obviously they're going to make a bunch of money even if they just sell a few of these but i don't foresee this being like a massive seller in comparison to what are more the the common line of of MacBooks that 
or, or MacBooks is usually what people buy or iMacs, uh, not this pro mo- level, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, this is for a very specific class of people. And you're also a class of people who's too impatient to wait on a new MacBook or a new Mac Pro that might come next year or the year after, or you bring your own display and you have possibly even a more powerful little black trash can. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the new iMac. And then in case you did want to buy the new iMac, it's available because they're going to have a tough time selling them. But if you did want to buy AirPods, you are too late as essentially they're sold out wherever regular retails, whether it's Apple or Best Buy, Target, Walmart, all the major retailers. So I think the only option to get AirPods right now is to go to eBay. So that's not always the best option, but I think that's the only choice you have if you need them in time for the 25th. Right. Yeah, you won't get them in time for Christmas, but you should. I think the shipments are supposed to start early in the new year. So if you can hold out, you're fine. But if you were hoping to pick these up last minute as a gift for someone, uh, hopefully you already ordered them and they already shipped because otherwise you're out of luck. I guess that new AirPods commercial, that Holiday Sway, is doing really well and generating a bunch of sales. Yeah, oh, I know a bunch of coworkers that were getting these for their kids. They, this is the, the gift that the kids wanted. I've actually seen a number of knockoffs getting reviewed on YouTube now, and some of them, they're actually reviewed pretty highly. Like They're not quite as good as the AirPods, but if you can't get these for $40, there's some really nice approximations of airpods out there they, they even go as far as to like model the exact same case which can charge them and they're just kind of big a little bit bigger because they couldn't get the components down small but for the most part a lot of these reviews are coming back f- fairly high for these knockoff airpods so i guess if your kid really really wants them and you can trick them maybe you go that route otherwise you're best off just holding out for the real deal, uh, and you only have to wait a, like an extra week or so. Yeah, I can't imagine that would be good if your kid wants AirPods and you get something else. It would be like if they wanted an iPad and you get them like some generic tablet. Android not even tablet, like an, yeah. Not even an Amazon tablet, some like company you never heard of tablet. Yeah, yeah. But that's pretty much the Apple news for the week, and so that means it's time for some new apps. And the first one is Art Card by Picasso, which I guess it's supposed to sound like Picasso. And it's an app that we've seen this style before, where it's a photo effects app that transforms your photos into works of art. And Art Card doesn't, you know, pull any punches or it comes in pretty well compared to all the offerings that are already out there. And I think the main distinguisher is just it loads up the effects much quicker. In other ones that I've used, it seems to take noticeable, like there's a little loading screen on the window. You know, you see that little spinning circle that actually you're like, this is taking a while. So this app is much quicker and performing the art photo effects, at least for me. Yeah, well, so the, I think the company, Picasso, had already put out like a, a photo effects app. So that one let you do like these nice little kind of artsy filters that make them look almost like famous pieces of art like so they kind of mimic different artists like monet and and picasso and and others and then they went ahead and pair and partnered up with 
another company to now let you print these onto actual physical postcards. That's what the whole like hook on this on this app is that you can take this piece of this photo that you you took, turn it into make it look like it's an actual painting and then print it onto a postcard that can be mailed right out to someone else and it costs you 2 bucks to do it. And you just type it all in, and it's instant. They'll print it, mail it for you, and you're done. And there's a lot of other apps out there that already exist that let you do these print to an actual physical postcard. Like there's TouchNote, PostSnap, Ink Cards, and their price is kind of in the same range, where it's a dollar ninety nine upwards to like two ninety nine, depending on the, the thing. But this one has those nice kind of like photo filters that make them look like paintings so it's another offering in an already kind of busy category but like you said their their filters do work really fast and the for the most part the results are pretty good you can kind of toggle the the intensity of the filter to kind of get exactly what you're hoping for and there's a whole bunch of different filters to try to find to get that exact style that you're looking for yeah, so essentially what they do is they have the artifact, the app artifact, it does the same kind of effect style, and then they combine it with the Postmates or a postcard service into one seamless processed transaction. So you have the app, you apply the effect, and then you order the postcard all from within the app. Again, $1.99 is competitive pricing, that's shipping included, and... It lets you actually get some use out of your pictures because a lot of our pictures just stick on our device. Maybe they go up to Instagram or Facebook, and that's about the extent that they're done with. So now you actually have a photo effect to make your photo a little more stylized than just applying a black and white or a vintage filter. And then you can actually print it out and send it to somebody. Right, yeah. Your photos pretty much tend to just reside in your device and just sit there never to be anything done with them. And so it is a nice way of kind of getting you to do stuff with your, your photos because they make it so super simple and easy because it's all right within that single app to do the filters and fill in the address and the postcard and whatever your message happens to be. And that postcard goes right out. So it is a nice thing. The one thing I should note is they do put a watermark on the pictures. If you're kind of just saving them to send them digitally to someone else. But if you do elect to print that postcard, they'll remove the watermark for you. So it's not going to have this ugly watermark on the actual postcard. You can pay a single one ninety nine in app purchase to remove the the watermarks completely even on the photos you just saved to your photo reel uh but it's you don't have to worry about any kind of ugly little watermarks on there if you do mail out the postcards and the watermarks in the bottom right so if you take a landscape photo and then you crop it into square to upload to instagram it usually cuts that watermark off (laughs) oh that's a good idea yeah i didn't even think of that yeah that's that's a good point So that's Art Card by Picasso. It's free, it's universal, and if you want to remove the watermark or send postcards, keep that $1.99 price in mind. And so yep. that means it's time for some new games. And like we said at the start, this is one of the best week of releases of the year, and we're only focusing on four. There were some other great releases, but we'll start with Inside, which comes from the makers of Limbo and has a similar idea 
in that it delivers that dark 2D puzzle platformer setup where it's kind of a black and white color scheme. But now it's a whole new storyline and it's a whole new world to participate in. And without trying to give away too much of the actual storyline, the game focuses on a little boy who is trying to escape essentially these captors who are trying to turn everyone into these controllable zombie-like creatures. And so to get away, you just have to interact and deal with everything that comes in your path. Because it's a 2D platformer, you're not moving, you're just moving horizontally, you're essentially progressing forward, so you have to deal with whatever comes at you. And what really makes this game stand out is that you're not sure what's going to come at you. You can't really prepare for it. There's a lot of these, like, gotcha moments or shock kind of suspenseful build up and then an abrupt change of pace where you need to react accordingly and there's oftentimes you will die so it's a kind of trial and tribulation 2d puzzle platformer adventure that is really beautifully designed just the world that they create really makes for an immersive experience where you feel for this little boy in this horrible world that he's in and you try to get through and deal with it and like I said that suspense idea of the game permeates every single interaction and progression through yeah so I loved Limbo and for me this feels like an evolution next step of Limbo like taking everything that I loved about Limbo refining it and adding this sci-fi-ish creepy weird story to go with it and it is just really well written even though there's no actual talking or dialogue they can they end up being able to portray all this emotion on the screen just in what's there and the way you have to interact with things and it's not all just horizontal movement you do go up and down ladders and you do kind of go into tunnels and various other things so there's a there's a lot going on and like you said you are going to die often you're and then you there's great save checkpoints so you're not never gonna have to redo a large portion of the game but it's constantly trying to figure out how do i get by this next section or how do i interact with what's there and get it so that i progress the story and i don't i don't want to give anything away because it is it there's so much crazy stuff that happens and things come out of nowhere that you're not expecting and it's just so insanely well done that i could not put this game down i just wanted to play almost in one sitting i sat down and it's a about a two-hour game I just did not want to stop because I was enjoying it so much. I wanted to see what the next weird thing that was going to happen or you just feel for this boy and you want to help him and help him progress through this and get through and hopefully find some kind of conclusion to the story because it just seems like everyone's after him. And I I don't know. I just really fell in love with this game. Yeah, they did such an amazing job to make you care about the boy And then, like you said, those checkpoints are so finely done that even though you die, you're right back to it. So you never kind of break your flow or your rhythm in the game. And then you're always compelled to go from section to section to play through the entirety of the game. That's kind of a theme of some of these games this week is that it's short, but you it kind of feels shorter just because you're playing you want to make it through all the way and you're like oh is that it and it's not because the game is necessarily quick especially for the price point it's just that you played through it so much and so 
it feels like it was a quick passage of time because you enjoyed it so much. Right, right. Yeah, there is a ton of game here. It's just because that story is so en engrossing and you want to play that you you do want end up playing it through it fairly quickly. There are some segments that will take you a lot of attempts to figure out exactly what you need to do. It, it is kind of like the pacing is a little odd at times because you'll go through certain areas of the game where it'll be just a couple of quick puzzles and you're moving on to the next section, next section. Then there's a few areas where the puzzles take a good 10, 15, 20 minutes. Like you're doing a lot of steps just to solve this one puzzle and, and get to a point where you can move forward and continue on. And so it's kind of a, a mix of short things and then longer things. And I, the one thing I didn't realize with the game was that it had iCloud saves because I've been playing, I was playing most of it on my iPad and I'm like, I'll just pick it up. Maybe I'll, I want to see something again at the beginning. And I loaded up on my iPhone and all of a sudden it was right where I left off on the iPad. And I didn't even know it was saving this, this progress. And you can go back and forward as much as you want in the game because there's achievements you can unlock. So once you've completed sections, there's these little like thumbnails where you can go back to any of those sections that you've already done before and play from there. If you think maybe that's where this cryptic uh, achievement, maybe that's where I can find the solution for that cryptic. They kind of just give you a clue of what this achievement is so they give you like kind of a riddly kind of name to it and then i did get one randomly i didn't i i wasn't trying to get it but i did find this and i got one of them but there's a whole bunch of achievements you can go back and try to replay and do later and also it's worth noting the game is ported over from other platforms and yet it feels really well designed for touch so you just there's no virtual buttons or anything to worry about you slide your finger on the left side of the screen or your thumb to move the boy and then you swipe up on the right side of the screen to jump and you can control the angle of the jump and whether it's you know like a long jump or a high jump and then you can also tap and hold to then interact with items and it just feels so natural designed for touch even though it's ported over from other control schemes of hardware controls it just feels at home in touch and you got to give them credit for putting the time in to make it feel like an iOS game. Oh yeah, yeah. You wouldn't never if you didn't weren't aware that this was ported from from Steam and Xbox. You would never know that this wasn't a native game because it just runs so smoothly and that that controls feel so natural. It, it just feels like this is how the game should be played. I wouldn't. It would have never even crossed my mind, but I did know that it was available on these other platforms that you would want to use a joystick at some point to play it. And then also just the physics of the movement of all the people, whether it's the boy or your captors or the other humans in the scene, it just is so authentic to see the movement of when, say, he jumps down a ledge or he climbs up on the fence or he stumbles over a branch. It all just seems relatively realistic. They've done a great job with the human movement physics. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it just it feels like you're interacting and just like so much stuff is on the screen at once in certain areas. There's stuff happening in the background as you're walking along and it, it just is 
everything just was so smooth. I used an iPad Pro. I don't know about a 9.7 inch iPad Pro. I think you need a relatively newer device in order to play. I think it starts at the 6S, but everything on the screen was moving at the same time. It didn't really stutter or slow down. And you could see that a lot of thought and stuff was put into uh, just designing this world and having all this stuff going on that really kind of gave you the sense of this weird kind of, I don't even know what kind of universe it was, but I mean, it's obviously a, a human in, a human world, but it's kind of a weird kind of post-apocalyptic it almost feels or something in the near future or something. I don't know. It, I don't want to give anything of the story away, but it just felt not quite modern time. Right. And so that's inside. It's free. It's universal to download. And then you get the first 10 or 15 minutes of the game. And then it's going to be six ninety nine to unlock the entire experience, one in-app purchase, and you get the full game. Yep. And so next up is Fez. This is another port. And this game is completely different than Inside, but it still has a similar vibe in that they ported a really popular critically acclaimed game over to ios and with fez it's a 2d platform at platformer at its core but it infuses 3d elements to really change up the formula so you start and you know you have this little pixelated town and this little white square character and he gets to wear a special little hat a little fez and then once he gets that hat he can now transform the world into 3d so you move along in 2d and then you swipe the screen and you shift. You rotate, essentially, the cubed world. So now you're on the other side. And this sets up all kinds of puzzle intricacies as you have to rotate the entire world and then interact with each kind of face of the world to make it through all the different lands that you're going to go to. Because there's all kinds of different regions you're going to travel to, each with their own kind of personality and charm and setups that all benefit from being able to view the world in 3d it's like they designed a 2d platformer four different times and then pieced it all together as you're rotating in 3d yeah so you play this little character gomez and he and you're trying to collect these cubes and every time you collect enough of these little yellow cubes they fill a larger cube and then by collecting more and more of those cubes you you can access these doors that take you to all kinds of different worlds and like you said each of those worlds kind of has their own character different sorts of uh style to the platforms and and the village that you're in and you have to use that whole rotation of the world in order to navigate and reach the different levels so there some of them are pretty high up so you have to navigate up probably multiple screens worth of of content in order to reach all of the various cubes that happen to be in that level and so you're not going to be able to immediately jump from level to level. You have to find a way, can I rotate this? And then, okay, now if I rotate it on this side, I can access this platform. But then if I rotate again, now that platform is maybe no longer on the right, but now it's on the left and it has access to this platform. So you constantly have to keep shifting your perspective in order to see 
new opportunities of how you can progress through the level and reach the different areas you need to or reach a new doorway to enter a new section of the level. And then even just when you enter these little rooms, those can be rotated in 3D as well, which might reveal a secret passage or it might reveal another cube to pick up or another object or a treasure chest. And there's so much going on. And the amount of thought that had to go into the design of these levels to have that whole 3D perspective. And then even within those, you can rotate other objects with these little switches and levers. So much had to, thought had to go into designing these that it's absolutely crazy. I had no idea this was coming to iOS. I played it originally on the Xbox. I never quite finished it, but I loved it on the Xbox. And I'm thinking, how are they going to bring this over on iOS when I saw it was coming out? And they just did an incredible job of kind of really recreating that whole game and it doesn't feel like you've lost anything in the translation when it came to ios yeah there's so many intricacies to explore there's that overarching progression of collecting the cubes but part of the game is just going and just figuring out anything you possibly can like switching the sides just to see can i go through this door here or is there a little passageway I can explore here? You don't know what it leads to, but you want to find out because they've designed the game so well with so many different rewards and payoffs in the early exploration. So later on, you're just in that mode of exploring and trying to find all the secrets that each of these individual worlds holds. This is a huge game to play through if you take your time and really do try to explore everything that's included. Right, yeah. It's one of those ones where you can keep going down a new forking pathway. It's If you're one of those people that likes to just play through things in order, then I can see you getting annoyed with this game because you can just start going off on all these various forking pathways and not realize, like, oh, wait a minute, did I get everything in that last section? Maybe I need to go back and check that I got everything before I move on to this next area. But you can never quite know that you got everything. And so I can see some people who get really kind of nervous and can't stand that. I'm fine with it just because I, I very, I, I know this game from playing it on the Xbox that I can't sit there and try and find every little thing before I move on. You just have to go with the flow and there's always something new, always something different to explore. And eventually you're going to get enough cubes that you can go where you want to go. And one thing worth mentioning is that with Inside, it was really made for touch. Fez doesn't do as much for touch. You get virtual movement buttons and virtual action buttons. So this game is one that really benefits from having an MFI controller. It's not required. The touch controls are passable. But if you really want good controls, not just passable controls... I would recommend an MFI controller just because you have the shoulder buttons to rotate the screen rather than swiping. And then for me, the one kind of main hiccup on the touch controls is that a lot of times you need to move and jump at the same time. And it seemed like I would have my finger hovered over the jump button and I would press just above it or I would press off some direction and miss it <laughs> and so you just run and fall off into oblivion or into the water or whatever the case may be so it's nice to have that dedicated button to jump while you're moving yeah so that the jump was the one spot that i 
got tripped up. My hand would kind of just float up and I would, for some reason, be tapping just above the jump button and it wouldn't trigger it and you'd fall to your death. It was almost better when you fell to your death because then you restarted right where you fell off versus maybe falling down multiple levels and landing safely and now you have to rework yourself back up to where you were. So you almost hoped for a death in those points. But yeah, I could definitely see where an MFI controller would be super helpful there. The one thing that I wanted to point out was they did, for some reason, this was not optimized for the iPhone 10. So if you're, if you have an iPhone 10, it they didn't take advantage of the full screen. They so there's I don't know why it was released. Like they had obviously they had plenty of time if they're releasing it now, well after the iPhone 10 had come out. I don't know why it wasn't done for the iPhone 10 as well. I'm assuming that's going to come in an update, but it was just a, a minor thing. I would play this on an iPad versus a phone anyways, but it was just kind of odd that they didn't take the time to to optimize it for the 10 if they're going to have this major release come out. Yeah, that is pretty weird. And so just before we finish off, Fez, I did want to just say for MFI controllers, what ones do you use? Because I know that I use the Steel Series Nimbus. It's kind of old in terms of controllers. I think it's like a two years old but it's really easy to connect with bluetooth and it just instinctively and natively works with fizz yeah so i have the stratus i think the xl which was the one they had right before the nimbus and then i have the those little small stratus ones they had before that the little portable ones but you if you're going to get a stratus get the full size one it's a much more comfortable to use and then the other device i have for my ipad is the game vice and it's basically this cool system where you kind of slap controllers it's they're connected to each other but then you slide your ipad in between the two controllers and then they're on either side, and then they have an uh, iPhone version as well. And so then you kind of have the screens in the center, and you have everything on either side of the controller. It's a little wide when you have an iPad, but it still feels comfortable. But it's nice to have, like, grips right there, and it has its own battery pack as well. And that one I really like, the the Game Vice. So if you're looking at I think they just recently reduced the price on that one too. I think it's now like $80. Uh, so if you're looking for something that's more, feels like a, like a portable gaming system where everything's right there on the device, then that's a good one to, to check out as well. Yeah, the Game Vices are like $79.95 because I think they did drop the price. And then the SteelSeries Nimbus is $49.95. But it's a good gift if you have any one who plays a bunch of iOS games on your shopping list and you haven't got because I think now is the time to invest in an MFI controller. We talked about Grid a while back. Oddworld um, came out this week. It's another game. Any kind of ports like a Grand Theft Auto or those Sega Classics, any kind of port really benefits from having that hardware controller versus just the touch control options. Yeah, if they had an AirPod on their list and you didn't happen to get those, <laughs> that maybe now go out and get them an MFI controller instead. Maybe they'll they'll forget that you didn't get them those AirPods. So it's a good alternative. Yep. And so again, that's Fez. It's four ninety nine. It's Universal. And then there's Life is Strange. It comes from Square Enix, and it's another port. But this 
isn't a platformer. It's actually a deluxe decision-based adventure game that 3D kind of telltale style reminisce of this really ornate storyline where you have various dialogue choices and quick little action decisions. The main distinguisher is that the main character, Max, learns that she can control time. And not to give away too much of the story, but that's going to influence every single interaction in the game following that point because she learns she can control it in the first five minutes of the game so now you have this whole new way to play a decision-based adventure game where you can go through an entire dialogue chain and then rewind time and change your choices and so now you have a complete different interaction with the character or different interaction within the world and you have this really change of pace even though we've seen so many of these 3d decision adventure games it actually changes it up by infusing the time element and you even have to kind of change the way you think about playing with the game because usually the main constraint in these games is that time aspect like in walking dead or something you'll have this decision to influence this person you're like oh crap i don't want to you know alienate them or something now you can alienate them go back and then not alienate them. So it just really changes the way you play these type of games. Yeah, it's really cool because it will tell you you can go and see what percentage of people chose the option you chose. And you have a limited amount of time you can rewind back after the event or thing happened. But you retain whatever knowledge you happen to have before you rewind time. So if you learn something about someone, you're going to remember that when you rewind time, which will allow you to select a different answer. Like now it'll, it'll affect which, what answers you can choose, but then it'll also make you think, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I should have chosen the other choice. And you go back and choose that. You can do it like, so you don't have to rewind a whole ton. You, there is also an, a button that lets you do like a, a quick rewind. that will rewind back a certain amount of time. So that way if it's just like a quick decision, like, oh, no, I didn't, I didn't, I shouldn't have done that. And you just want to quickly change that. You don't have to do this whole long rewind and you see everything kind of play back and reverse. The big thing, one of the big themes of this game is photography. And this, this girl, Max, is at this private school and she loves to take pictures. So she's constantly taking pictures of things. And there's also like a great soundtrack in the game that that is all plays out. And it's, it just feels like a kind of like a mix between a telltale game where you have that decision tree, but then also almost like an open world game like GTA or Bully, where you have almost freedom to go pretty much anywhere. Granted, this game does kind of guide you on a story and you're trying to meet certain goals and i don't think you can really veer off too much but you can take your time looking around and exploring this world and interacting with just about anyone that's there and you talk to them and find out more information you can view things hanging up on the wall and kind of just you can take your time wandering through this and collect all this extra information and just kind of almost live in this world with max as she's exploring it and going on this journey uh, and just learning more about all of these classmates that she may not actually have actually interacted with in the past. Yeah, the entire character interaction structure changes 
Because say you're talking to someone and you don't remember much about them. And then they tell you, I can't believe you didn't remember this. Well, you rewind time and now you know that knowledge. So you can lead <laughs> with that. And it changes the way that person's going to connect with you. And there's, you know, that typical kind of teenage angst story going on. But then there's hints that there's something greater than that. It's not just that's all that's going to be in this adventure game. And so you have that whole kind of intriguing mystery mixed with that usual teenage drama and it's just such a deluxe production the voice acting and the overarching storyline that you'll want to play through just how much is included the one or two kind of stumbling blocks is that it's a big game so there's significant loading times but it's a little annoying where it will be a cutscene loading to a cutscene which then loads out to another cutscene. So you have an end cutscene, middle cutscene, and then intro cutscene to the next part of the game in bef before you actually do any playing of the game. So those are a few little annoyances. And then also, the time-based aspect is neat and appealing, but part of me kind of... It's, a, it's not as enjoyable because that time pressure isn't there in making your decisions you can always just rewind it so it seems like your decisions aren't as important because even the game will tell you like oh i probably should have rewinded there and did something different well maybe i just wanted to be a prick to this person and just leave it <laughs> at that game but it's like nah go rewind change time and so it seems like it's forcing you to see every single possible dialogue choice or decision tree that the game has to offer rather than just picking a route and going with it well, it doesn't force you to do the rewinds. It, it does just to it teach you the It suggests it often it, enough that it gets annoying. I'm not saying it so forces it, you to. Right, right. So it does suggest it, and I, I agree, totally agree with you on the load times. The load times seem pretty long, and I, it, this is a very large game, and there's a lot of voice acting, really well done voice acting, and there's a lot of video, like, so I can see this was originally on consoles and I don't know if it was on the PC as well. I think it was. Uh, and this is one I've been looking forward to playing. And I actually bought it on the console recently when it was on sale, but I haven't sat down to play it. So I was thrilled to see it come to iOS and I'm sitting down to play it now. I I love that whole the time mechanism. I, I can see what you mean where it's constantly kind of telling you maybe you should have done another decision. But for me, that's the hook into this game. And you're now wondering like, why does she have this power? Why does she have the ability to, to rewind time? And it adds this whole kind of weird sci-fi element to what could have been just like a show that you'd watch on the CW or something like it's that well written that you could sit down and watch this thing like it was a TV series. And it's got all the, the, the music cues and everything else that you'd expect from like a high production television series. But now it's all this, uh, animated game that you're playing. And one of the cool things they do is when you're trying to tap on objects and interact with objects is they kind of get like almost a sketchy drawing kind of highlight on them. So you know when things and it points to things, so you know what you can interact with. And then either you can look at them or you can actually do some other interaction with them within the scene. Anything you want to tap on, you know what is available to, to interact with. Some of it, you're it does nothing for the story you just kind of look at it and it gives you some information 
but other things you will have to interact with in order to complete certain tasks that you need to do within the story. Yeah. The kind of problem with that, though, is that highlighting section, it seems like the controls are fighting with you, where you'll try to tap on an object, and then it's like, no, i actually moving to this other place. No, I didn't pick to move to the place. I wanted to interact with this object. <laughs> so that was a little annoying from time to time. And then just the movement and the camera controls. Are, so you tap to move, but then you always have to try to get the camera cr- angle in the proper position to be able to find a spot to tap to move. And then you'll get to these points where now it's like, go to garage or whatever. And so now it has to do this loading. And so you actually tap to move up here, but it doesn't recognize that because a point before that, you need to press this specific button to create this new load sequence. So the game is a little off in that. But really the time aspect, that's kind of the biggest stumbling block for me. It's a ton of storyline intrigue. It's really interesting sci-fi mystery that I just want to find out more about. But it stumbles on the gameplay. That's The time aspect is so intriguing for the storyline. And it's the main hook of the game. But I don't know if it benefits this type of game. I don't know if it adds to it or anything. I feel like the game would have been better where the time isn't, it's more action-based than dialogue-based, because you can get stumbled and lost in the chain of dialogue choices way too often. Yeah, I well, see, the time helps you to complete certain tasks as well. So you have some set of actions you need to do, and then the thing is you can move to a new location and still play with the time of things that happened that you saw. So you might not necessarily even be standing right where the thing that you're affecting is. And it allows them to create like these different sorts of puzzles because now you need certain things to happen both at the same time and you can pull it off because you have that time. Well, that's action-based time mechanics. I'm talking about... See, the action-based time mechanics where you're standing next to Karen or whatever, but you need to go over to the paint bucket and so you rewind time, you move and then rewind time. That's really neat. That's a whole interesting puzzle mechanic. But in the dialogue choices, the time doesn't seem to benefit anything other than teenage drama. Right. But the whole thing is a teenage drama. Like, that's what the story is. But so, not for time based. Well, it's, I mean, I, I understand what you mean. Like, it's. A, I can see where that would be a a stumbling block for for some people. I didn't mind it. It just takes you out of the game. It takes you out of the story when you keep having to focus on different dialogue choices when you're already thinking about what comes next. And it's like, oh, here, go back and care about Douglas or whatever. And it's like, I don't care about Douglas. I already said that he's a prick. I want him to be a prick. I don't want to go and talk to him again. I'm now talking to Chloe. I want to go to Chloe's house. And it's like, nah, nah, don't go on. And that just is a stumbling block to progressing in the storyline that you want to find out about. They've done an amazing story, but they're getting you stumbling, doing hurdles through the past that don't bear to the overarching story. It's friendships of Max, and Max isn't a character that really cares about friendship, so they shouldn't make you... Max isn't going to change your stripes, but they're making you go through all these different potential pathways that Max might interact with people when you know you're trying to be her character. It's like any of these decision games. You have your kind of ideas to it, as well as in 
the characters' ideas to it, and you kind of try to get the best choices, but they take that completely out of the game and throw it in the trash. That doesn't matter. You need to go what we kind of... Too much hand-holding for that. Yeah, I could see where you'd want to be able to turn off those suggestions, where you made your decision. I don't want you to say, well, maybe I should have chosen differently. Just let me keep on progressing and move on. And it does kind of keep on prompting you, like, oh, maybe you should have done that. And they show you... Um, they do have like just a little symbol that'll pop up when it's something (laughs) right. So that thing kind of pops up to know that you just learned something that may be helpful if you go back in time. But half the time I just ignore that. I saw that come up and like, okay, I'm just going to continue with the story. Otherwise I'm just going to get so bogged down this one section. I'll never get forward. I'll never make forward progress. It goes into the Fez idea though, where, you're kind of that completionist and you see this update you're like oh i probably should do it because there's sequences where you don't do anything and it doesn't alert you it seems to alert you only on key points in the game but then you're you know it's a key point like imagine in those telltale games where it told you that you probably should have changed your decision here because the entire game is gonna change it tells you this will have an impact later on but it doesn't say Actually, you probably should have changed your decision because it will have an impact later on. You kind of have to live with your decisions. And I understand that the time is supposed to let Max not have to live with her decisions anymore. But it just, I don't think it fits gameplay-wise. It's brilliant story-wise. It's not brilliant gameplay-wise. Yeah, well, in Telltale, they say, oh, they'll remember that. And then you move on. But it, just back to your other point about the the camera. I, def- I agree with you there because... There are times where you have to angle yourself so you have just the right view in order to see that button that will let you interact with the object. You can be looking right at it, but if you're looking at it from the wrong angle, then you ha- then you won't even know necessarily that you can interact with it until you shift the camera around and then you can interact with that particular thing. And I don't know if that's just kind of because it's on iOS and you wouldn't necessarily run into that. I, I really want to, I got to try this on the console to kind of compare if it's less obvious on a console uh, as you're moving around, that things are easier to spot that it's going to be interactive uh, or not. Yeah. And just like you said, lining it up to be able to tap on the thing is a little annoying and I just wish there wasn't those problems because the story's so intriguing and you want to get through it. Like inside, it has a very focused storyline that you want to get through and it'll let you get through. I understand it's a different game, but even Telltale games, they let you get through it. Oxenfree is a great decision tree based game with all kinds of different choices where it will even give you incentive to replay the entire game and change your choices. But this game you can't even get through the main storyline to get to any possible point of replay or intrigue because you're just bogged down in everything the touch controls the weird time dialogue choices and trying to line up different actions it it doesn't come together like i wanted it to i wanted to love this game and that's what i think i'm most disappointed by i don't even with the 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 movement issues that i had i'm still really enjoying this game i just am so engrossed in the story and all i do is ignore the things that say go back and try it again so that i can make progress i i understand where some people that they're not going to be able to ignore that they're going to want to do stuff with it but for me 
I know that I'll never make it through the game if I don't. And so I just kind of put blinders on and like say, I made that decision. I'm moving on and just progress that way. I don't know. I, I, I just I, think I, the I game changes it, though. I, I understand you can't ignore it, but I'm saying that the game is designed to make your decisions not important. It takes away your decisions. You don't really have a decision to make because, again, it holds your hand and it focuses on specific choices and emphasizes you made wrong choices and you should have done something different. And you can ignore that all you want, but the game was... I think we're judging the game by how it was designed, and I think they messed up the design in that part. Okay, I think we'll just have to agree to disagree and, and move on. But otherwise, we'll get stuck in this decision tree. No, but as far as so, the pricing goes, yeah, the game is two ninety nine. It's universal, and then this is just episode one. And I think all or there's five episodes total, but three episodes are available now, and it's going to be eight ninety nine for a season pass, or you can buy each episode for two ninety nine. Or episode two, I think it's reduced price for ninety nine cents. But are two and three available buy... right now? Yeah, so two and three okay. are available right now. Episode two is ninety nine cents. Episode three is two ninety nine. Or you can buy that season pass of all of them. So you're basically pre ordering four and five. They already exist and they're already out on the console. So it's just a matter of them porting them over to iOS, and that'll cost you eight ninety nine. Yep. And so Life is Strange. It's two ninety nine. It's Universal. And then last but not least is Goroga. Gorogoa is what I'm going to go with. It's a tough to pronounce game, but regardless of how you call it, it's a puzzle game that at first glance it's reminiscent of Framed, where you have these four panels that you can interact with, and it tells the story of this little boy who sees this odd scene, and it's forever going to change his life. And so... With these, each of these little panels, you can drag them around or you can tap on items within the panel to zoom in. And you're going to use both kind of abilities together to proceed through the storyline. So you can drag panels in like framed where you match up the left side to the right side and the character can cross between panels. But more importantly, you can actually zoom into panels to then find the connection between the panels. Like you might zoom in three times, you know, it's kind of like a kaleidoscope where you zoom in on this character's eye and then that opens up this starscape that then opens into this mountainscape. And so that mountainscape is then in this other panel. And now you can connect those two panels just by zooming into them at different levels. And you have all these weird little puzzle intricacies it's like you're just unfolding layer after layer to be able to match everything to proceed through this really weird storyline that is quite heartfelt despite no dialogue whatsoever because you're dealing with great expanses of time and great expanses of locales all by just manipulating four panels on screen it never becomes more complex than four panels and yet it becomes so complex in the intricacies in each one of the individual panels. Right. Yeah. Framed seems so simple compared to this game. Once yeah. you get into this Framed was just rearranging things. This is absolutely insane because not only are you rearranging them, but there's also times where you can separate a single frame into multiple frames by dragging a piece 
off of it. So now you might have this little round kind of thing with like a hole in the middle that you can then layer on top of another frame and it causes some new interaction. Or maybe when you layer it on top, now you can zoom in or zoom out of that frame to see even a whole new location and new things you can interact with. And you kind of have the clues of what you need to do next, but you're still kind of going blindly and just kind of exploring everything and seeing, oh, wait a minute, I saw that in that, and I think those would match up. There's one segment that I've done where you had to like zoom in out of one panel multiple times, line them up, have something happen, then quickly move the panel into another orientation, and then quickly switch things up again before something happened. I'm trying to be vague here, but it was just a lot of shifting around of things in real time, kind of like what you had to do with frame where you had to reuse a frame and move it back into the order as quickly as you can before the, the character moved into that frame in order to have them kind of redo a sequence. And this one, you have to like quickly move things in order for a sequence to happen correctly and the things interact with each other to cause the the reaction you need to then move forward in the story. And it is just like it's unwrapping like an onion and peeling away layer after layer, but then slapping some layers back on. And it's just crazy. Like it's amazing the story they're able to tell. And I don't fully even understand the story that's going on. But it's it's really immersive and you're just you never know what's going to come next. Yeah, the storyline. I mean, you have these sequences that are like Alice in Wonderland where you change inside and, the you know, in sizes and the world changes in sizes. And then you have like this time travel aspect and then you have this parallel multidimensional thing going on and past future selves and all kinds of crazy stuff going on again without any dialogue whatsoever just by these really ornately designed pictures and panels. And even though the game has all these layers and all these intricacies and complexities, it's just essentially tap and drag to rearrange panels or tap on specific items within panels to zoom in and out. That's the entirety of your interaction. So it has this really minimalistic accessibility structure for such a deluxe game and then it's also a puzzle game that doesn't get caught up in menus or levels or scores or timers or stars or any kind of stumbling blocks in between going from panel to panel and figuring it all out and doing that slow march towards achieving the ultimate goal of the little boy like that part you were talking about where you rearrange where you drag off a essentially a layer from a panel and it creates an all-new panel and then you have this silhouette. Now you have to find another piece where you drag that piece. Say you have three pieces and you drag it from piece one over to the empty square in piece four. And now you see that panel two, if you zoom in twice, that silhouette you have that's now in your section four, it can overlap right on section two. And now it creates this whole new piece and segment that, that can be used back with segment one. So it all is connected and intertwined and again just through such minimalism right and when then there's a whole nother panel type i just remembered about where you drag this thing around the four sections of the square oh, and it shows yeah. something completely different in each one and you have to figure out where that piece needs to stop and maybe now there's something you can interact with on that spot 
but it's only in that section. I, it's just so much going on in this, which it just looks like it's going to be like a simple rearrange to put them in the right order type of, and then the story will tell itself. But it just gets so complex, and everything is this beautifully hand-drawn illustrations on on the entire story. So it just is pleasurable to look at while you're doing all this, and it's just this weird world and you never know what's coming next i don't it's a really unique game yes it kind of builds on that framed idea but just takes it to the next seven levels beyond that that it just becomes this crazy new type of game that you've never played before and then the game it the only kind of real drawback for me it's virtually flawless experience. Just it came to an end so quickly. It's kind of like inside and that you're enjoying it so much that, oh my God, it's already over. You get to that point a lot quicker than you would imagine. And when that's the only kind of drawback of the game, you know you have a really amazing game on your hands. Yeah, this one I haven't quite finished because I got, I got stuck in one section, but I think I'm pretty close to finishing it. Yep, so that's... Goragoa, it's four ninety nine. It's universal, and I think that's everything for episode forty seven. Yeah, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.